I'm sorry. I thought it was. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Bless my heart. Good morning. Isn't it good to be here? Even though it is so yucky. It's a good, oh, good day for ducks. I was going to say it's a good day for sleeping, but anyway. Um, we are glad that you are here in the Lord's house. If you have not yet brought your items for our shoe boxes, please bring either a toy or a hobby item, which you can bring both. That's fine. Um, some of some of everything is okay. We want to have plenty because, again, we had 46 boxes last year. We want to have more than that this year, and uh, we want them to be they were full. They were so full. Last year, we were having to put rubber bands on them. Or, uh, well, no, we didn't have rubber bands, so we had, Sister Vicky had to tape them. <laughs> Bless it. Put the tape on them, and that was aggravating for Sister Vicky, not for us, because we were <laughs> we didn't have to deal with it. So thank you, Sister Vicky. We appreciate you. But um, but we were we're doing all that. So we want them to be very very full this year as well so please bring plenty of stuff also please remember that uh, we are about four weeks away from easter so yes it's the second sunday of of april so that is a very exciting time we are just gonna have a, a good i i'm excited because i already believe that i know what i'm preaching and i, I was um I'm excited about it, so. <laughs> so so I'm I'm excited in four weeks in advance. So uh, be here for that. Also, do we have any other? Oh, next weekend, uh, so next Saturday is uh, the baby shower for Haley and baby girl. Um, we don't know her, her whole name yet. So uh, she is having a girl, and she is registered on Amazon. So please plan to be here for that at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. There will be some some light refreshments. And, uh, and yeah, well, there, yes, there will be. You, you made a face like you didn't know. Yes, there will be light refreshments because we've talked about them. So uh, be here for that. And also, ladies only, um, Haley is having a a game night at her house on the 28th of this month, which is a Tuesday. So it's just a ladies fellowship time, um, and we're seeing her new house. So if you'd like to come to that, I have her address, but I'm not going to announce it in front of everybody. I'm not going to put it on the uh on the newsletter because that goes out publicly and so if you would if you're planning to go and you need her address uh please let me know and i'll i'll give it out to you or text sister Rhonda or i think amanda has it too so let us know and we'll we'll get it to you any other announcements we will let you know okay so i'm glad that i'm glad that you were able to get up this morning whoo Amen. Well, for more reasons than one. Um, now, I won't ask any of y'all what what you were doing this morning before church. What kinds of preparation you you had, you know, for getting ready for the Lord's house. Um, something that when me growing up, we were never allowed to turn the TV on. That was a thing at our house. Like, can't turn the TV on because it's because it's the Lord's Day. You got to get your mind right. When Shane and I first got married, and I said, I said, babe, we don't turn the TV on on Sundays. And he was a little surprised. Because if y'all were ever at our house and Shane's there, the TV's on. Um, but we now we have Caleb on and 
I don't know what y'all do in preparation to get ready for, for being in the Lord's house. I, this morning I'll confess that for some reason on our way to church, we started talking about Selma Hayek, <laughs> the actress Selma Hayek. Okay, anyway, and so I... She, he was asking about her husband, so I I pulled out my phone and I was googling some Hayek and her husband, and I was showing him um, the the picture of her husband, and I thought this isn't bad. Okay, please understand. There's nothing wrong with googling on a Sunday morning. Understand? Please understand. Okay. But I thought this is this helping me to get in a mind and attitude of worship. I really need to think about that. I really need to make sure that my heart is getting ready and prepared. We're talking about prayer this whole month and and I hope that you're writing that you're journaling and that you're writing down prayer requests and that you're praying about the things. But that's a part of preparation is praying and getting our hearts ready to serve the Lord. So this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer, as we Ask him to have his way in this service. Just surrender every thought that you've had up to this point. Just surrender it to the Lord and, and allow him to take over. Amen. Let's sing this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and your blessings and your grace. And we thank you that you have given us life. God, that you are a giver. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you brought us into this place. Lord, that you gave us the strength to be here. God, that you gave us physical health and, and strength. God, I thank you that you gave us the mental health to be here. God, I, I thank you that you are the life giver. God, that you, you put breath in our lungs throughout this week. God, that you gave us a place to go to work. That you gave us a place to go to school. God, I thank you that you are a, a provider in all kinds of circumstances that you constantly give to us, that you constantly provide for us. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to come into your house. Lord, you gave us a community of believers that we can worship together, that we can fellowship one with another. God, that we can give encouragement to one another. I thank you because that's a blessing that some people don't have. Lord, I thank you for those who are able to watch online, that you have given us those capabilities. I just thank you that they're present here with us. God, not not physically, but in a spiritual way that we're bound together. I thank you and I praise you because you are every single place. God, that there is nothing, there are no walls that can bind you. God, that there is no place that can hold you in. And we just, we thank you, we honor you for that. God, I pray that you would have your will and your way in each and every life. God, we have come here with needs, we have come here with burdens and cares, but we just pray you would lift them in Jesus' precious name. God, that we would honor you and please you in all that is said and done today. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I believe you gave sight to the blind. I believe that the dead came to life. I believe there are wonders and signs. You're still the same. I believe every word that you said. I believe there are scars in your hands. That your goodness is good without end. And you'll never change. I will tell of your wonders. Sing of your grace. 
The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always. Your mercy is mighty, age after age. All generations will bow down in praise. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always. I believe you will come in the clouds. I believe you are here even now. In your presence I know there is power power to save. I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace. The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always. Oh, your mercy is mighty, age after age. All generations will bow down in praise. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always. You were, you are, you always will be God. Yes, you were, and you are. You always will be God. Yes, you always will be God. I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace. The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now and always, always. And your mercy is mighty age after age all generations will bow down in praise the lord is faithful yesterday now and always always cause you were and you are and you always will be god yes you were and you are and you always will be God. Yes, you always will be God. I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace. The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always. Thank you, Lord. You are faithful. You are good. God, we trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. You hold my every moment. You calm the raging sea. You walk with me through fire and heal all my disease. I trust in you, Lord, I trust in you. 
believe it. I believe you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Cause you hold my every moment. You calm the raging sea. You walk with me through fire and heal all my disease. I trust in you, Lord, I will trust in you. You're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. More than enough and nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. No, nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands and nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. No, nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands, so I believe you're my healer, and I believe you are all I need. Oh, yes, you are, yes, you are, and I believe you're my portion. Lord, I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. More than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I
surrender everything to you. We understand that you're making a way where there seems to be no way. God, we pray. Lord, 
that is who you are. Sing it even when I can't feel it. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You'll never stop. You'll never stop working. You'll never stop. You'll never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Not just what you do, but who you are, God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are my way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Give him praise this morning. Recognize him for who he is, not just what he does, but God, who you are is great. and mighty. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen to the songs this morning. Praise God and glory to his wonderful name. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer time throughout this month, all day, every day, evening, morning and noon and seven times a day and I'll praise him always and that kind of stuff. Pray without ceasing. Amen, those kinds of things. Hallelujah. First Samuel 12, 23. He put it this way. Hallelujah. Now, they were, they were sort of acting against him. And we want a king and this kind of stuff. And so it's, but, but listen, verse 23, chapter 12, 1 Samuel. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. I'm not going to cease praying for you. Hallelujah. It doesn't make any difference how you act and what you do and what you say. 
It's always good to pray, isn't it? It's always right to pray. Romans 1, 9 said it this way, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. Hallelujah. Colossians is, and I want you to put this one down, write it down, uh, remember it, and verse it some more because it's a good one. Uh, well, all of them are great and good. Colossians 1 and 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, since we heard about your struggle, since we heard about your prayer request, since we heard that the need was so great, when we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Praise God. Since I heard about it, I don't quit praying for it. Hallelujah. And I think it's Brother Mike and others. There are others this way that maybe just make a list of it. And that list is open and prayed for each day. Or he's mentioned it that way. That uh, write it down. And then when you hear about it, well, I didn't know. And you hear about it sometimes later than it happened, and that's all right. As soon as you hear about it, pray for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Second Timothy 1, 3 says it like this. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Praise God. Can we do it? I believe we can. <laughs> and, and, and making a list is a great thing. Hallelujah. Writing it down, especially whenever you pass uh, some ages in here, you write it down. But remember where you wrote it down. <laughs> And keep it ever before you, like you would this card, uh, beside your uh, Bible studying, your Bible reading, and our mission is soul, salvation, ongoing development, uplifting conversation, and love that never fails, and serve God in love. And then when we catch that mission, the vision starts getting excited, that we might touch lives around us. I think one of the requests and one of the prayer needs last week, or a couple of them, was that I would be bold in my witnessing, that I'd be able to touch lives of those around. I'm beginning to feel a little bit churchy, that we need to be able to touch those around us. Hallelujah. In a positive way. I thank God. He loves me. He keeps me. He provides for me. And I worship him because he is all these things we sung here today to me. Thank you, Lord, that he has saved and healed and he has blessed and he has kept and he has provided for me. For me. Brother Vic, I love him. And I appreciate him. And I praise him this morning. Somebody else praise him this morning, would you? Hallelujah. Sister? Oh, thank you, Lord. 
You know, sight is good. There are several in the scripture that uh, Jesus began to open their eyes. Amen. That they could see. In fact, I think that was the primary uh, thing for his mission, to open eyes to the gospel, open eyes uh, literally that people could see. Can you imagine not being able to see or see well? I have pastored places where uh, people were blind, one church that one was totally blind, um, and then another that was legally blind. It's just a tough thing. But I saw that legally blind man one, one night uh, as the service was going on and God was moving in a great way. Uh, they had, we had three chairs, and, and he just jumped up on the side in the corner of the chair, and he stepped all three chairs, legally blind. You ought not to be up there. Whew. But I'll tell you what, Jesus can do anything, can't he? Is there another one that would brag on the Lord this morning? Amen. Praise him real good. Hallelujah. tell you what, that's a good witness, Brother Jason. Amen. And how often have we said it from this church and in this church that whenever live good enough and live life in such a way that when someone says something against you, that people will not. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, the psalmist writes in 47.1, Oh, Clap your hands unto the Lord. God, that whenever people say bad, oh, that, that they will not believe it because they know the Lord lives in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Good morning and welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. I hear we have a good many people who look at our service online. Thank you for being with us this morning. And I hope in this service that we'll be blessed and that we'll be touched. And that when you get through, that you'll say it has been good to have been into his house. It's time to receive our tithe and offering if our earth shall come at this time. Brother Joyner.
morning. It's time for our prayer request, but I have another scripture this morning for you. And this one is, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5 and 16. Now, I'm not going to get up here every week and give you a little sermonette, but this morning, when you write in your prayer journals this week, I want you to think of a time when God has healed, performed a miracle in your life or someone else's life. It helps us when we write these things down and then we can go back and read them later during a time when it may be dark for us. And those times was life runs in cycles. You're going to have happy times, but you're going to have those times when you're down. And if we have something to go back and refer to, then that will help us. Now, since I, those online, watching online, have not heard the testimony, but the one thing that I'm writing down in our journal is when Michael had his eye surgery for cataracts. He had the first one. Michael was legally blind without his glasses. But we had the first surgery, and we got really good results. It wasn't 2020, but it was very good results. It was almost 2020. Well, I decided I'm going to be bold enough. I'm going to pray and ask. Michael had asked for a good outcome. I said, I'm going to ask for 2020 vision. So that's what I did, and I was praying for. And he went in for his second surgery. Well, there was an incident at the hospital that day. They had a... I think it was a, some type of vaporizer that had overheated, and it started like a small electrical fire. It wasn't bad, and it was contained, but we had to go out. And Michael was back and having his surgery. And the, the fire alarm went off, and we sit there a little bit and looked at each other and said, no, it's not a drill. said, everybody's got to go out. So we went out. Well, they came and found me and told me Michael's surgery was going well and that the, all the patients we're back behind the firewall, so we didn't have to be worrying about anything. Well, there were some other people whose nurses or whatever didn't come tell them that, and they were worried about what was going on, so I was able to help reassure some of the people. Well, after we went back in and after his surgery was completed, the doctor came out and sat down and talked with me, and he was not the one that has the best bedside manner. But he actually sat down and talked with me. He had a little more time because they had to wait before they could set up for the next surgery. He said, now, he's not going to get his good result this time. He said, there was more astigmatism. He said, but, you know, the surgery went well and everything. And I thought, well, okay, I've asked God for 20-20 vision. I didn't doubt God. And he's a very, Michael's surgeon was very good. So we went in the next day for them to check his eyesight. Well, the nurse went through the chart and then she looked over at us and, and uh, she said, he's got 20-20 vision. The doctor came in after that and he just looked at us. He said, how are you seeing this well? And Michael said, well, I had a good doctor. I said, and I prayed. Prayer does matter. Like it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are made righteous in Christ. When we think, well, I'm not a righteous person, we are made righteous through Christ. So don't, you say you're not a righteous person, you are. 
So now it's time to take our prayer request. Anyone on this side? Sister Diane Hager and a pastor friend of the joiners that, that had to have her part of her tongue removed to cancer. Sister Jennifer. Sister Rhonda and a family, a former family member. Miss Judith. Remember Miss Judith's granddaughter that she'll get a, a scholarship to a good college. Kirsten. Her name's Kirsten. Gretchen. Gretchen's friends and classmates. Any on this side? Sister Vicki? Sister Vicki's dad and her brother Kenny. Okay. Any others? Jason's co-workers. Okay, if that's it, let's bow our heads in prayer.
Good morning again. Hello to those watching online. If you are hungry, and I don't, I'm not even going to try to estimate how long it'll be, but um, if you're hungry in a little while, around lunchtime, <laughs> then come on by to the fellowship hall because it is second Sunday meal. Uh, and I'm sure that there's food. I know there's a ham and some ribs. So thank you for that. So we we have some food for anyone who is hungry. So if you're, again, if you're watching and you are anywhere close to us, you come on, eat some food, and y'all stay. Okay, so um, we have, uh, I did mention that the Easter was coming a, a month from today, so keep that in mind. But then the, the week before is um, Palm Sunday. And I would love for us to have communion on that Sunday. So that's that'll be the plan. Just mentally prepare yourself. We did that last year. Um, we had it that particular day. We may not do it the same way. I'm still um, working on some different things. But but that Sunday, Palm Sunday, we will be having communion. So if you're watching and you'd like to join with us, and I'll remind you of this. Uh, the last Sunday of the month, that if you're watching and, and you're not going to be able to be here, you're welcome to have elements there with you, and we'll we'll be together in our process of of partake, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Also, one more thing, and um, as I as I say this, do you, do you ever? And Sister Dean was talking about uh, kind of putting the Lord on the spot, and you're you're asking for him to do things <laughs> and it's like okay should I believe and declare <laughs> like just in case because I am a I'm a guarantee kind of person I do everything that I can to guarantee a certain outcome I am not a risk taker kind of person just for any of you who know me you know that that's the case and to put the Lord on the spot whew, yes but for, I don't know, a few weeks, in, in thought and preparation, in the time of prayer, um, this, this whole month of prayer, I've just felt in my spirit um, that the third, the third, the third, third Sunday, y'all show up with expectation. Next week. So between now and next week, and y'all, here's the thing. And I said to the Lord, I was like, Lord, here, I, I, can, I can either be obedient and say, it is all up to you, Lord. <laughs> and if, if we get here and all that happens is that we have regular service stuff, then great. And it's going to be the same as it always is. Or I can be disobedient and just miss out on anything that potentially the Lord has to, to do for us. So next week, um, come with expectation. I ask you, I ask you to commit that every day this week you're going to pray and ask the Lord to show up big for us in the way that he wants to. The Holy Spirit, you have your way in, in whatever you want to do. If it's if it's salvation, sanctification, filling with the Holy Spirit, if it's, uh, if it's healing, deliverance, if it's just a, a, a just feeling extra tingly. I, I don't, you know, and, and I don't want to put it like, but you understand what I mean. Please understand what I mean. That I don't know. I don't know. And I, I believe that, uh, and I, 
having a schedule is really important for me too. I, I thoroughly enjoy a liturgy. I do. I could have been Lutheran in that manner if I didn't <laughs> like raising my hand so much. But um, but I don't know that we're going to have the same order that we normally have. Uh, things that I know will take place is we will have a time of um, a prayer request and, and praying and that as far as I know right now, I will preach. But that's all that I'll guarantee. And I, I'm just, Holy Spirit, have your way. Okay? Um, and again, if, not, if nothing else happens besides we get out early, um, that's fine too. But but I really believe in, in my spirit that the Lord wants to, He wants us to get out of the way. He wants us to get out of the way and um, and allow Him to do something. And allow him to, to break some change. So if you know people who need the Lord's help, invite them next week. If you're watching and you need something from the Lord, come next week. Um, because I, I'm believing and I'm putting the Lord on the spot. <laughs> so, because we can do that. And he's faithful to his word. So, last week we began to consider health and wellness as it relates to our physical well-being. You know, Jesus took naps. So we have to remember that with the idea of rest, with napping, that we cannot confuse laziness with rest, that rest is a gift from God and constantly pushing ourselves in effort to not be lazy. That's not, that's not what God requires of us. We have to understand that you cannot calm the storm, that there's one with you who can, but, but staying awake worrying about it is not going to make a difference. That that staying up and and analyzing and being anxious and worrying, that's not going to calm the storm, but speaking to the one who can. He can take care of it. And to understand that it's not as bad as it looks. If Jesus said to them, we're going to get to the other side, he says to us, you're going to make it. You're going to be... You're going to have hope and a future. So it's, it's not as bad as it looks. So today we move into an area of physical well-being that some of us attempt to ignore. And that is self-control. Ah, the body under subjection. I was just glad that this, that this dress zipped this morning. Because <laughs> I've been saying to shame for the past few weeks. Like, why do you keep bringing me cookies and ice cream? I won't say the other part of what I said because that's not very nice. But, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Self-control. The ability to regulate one's emotions, one's thoughts, and one's behavior in the face of temptation and impulse. Whew. The New Testament calls self-control temperance. Who am I? So today, as we think about self-control, we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So Paul here was speaking to the church at Corinth. This was a Greek city. It was a major trade port. It was right on the, the edge of the sea. And being of Greek origin would have meant a few things for this particular area and this particular church. They were historically pagan. They were idol worshipers here in in Corinth. They were Greek or Hellenistic in their thoughts. 
So the, the Hellenists, that's just another word for Greeks. The Hellenists, uh, they put great emphasis on the spirit, but very little on the body. So you had this kind of, this theology of the, the Hellenists that would say, the spirit man is all that's really important, and the body Again, we've, we've talked about this before with the Gnostics, that the body should either be ignored entirely, or you can do whatever you want to in your body, and it doesn't matter because the Spirit is all that matters. So this was the kind of thing that, that Paul was speaking to and about. Also, the Olympic Games began in Greece. So this came into play in their, in their minds. So this is the context into which Paul is speaking. This church in Corinth was known for their zeal, but also their misguided efforts. Many sins had to be addressed by the Apostle Paul. You'll see that through both of the books. Uh, the second book is not quite as, as heavy because they kind of straightened up a little bit. But whew, 1 Corinthians, he really lays down the law with some of these people. So... At the very beginning of this chapter, Paul is beginning to defend himself. This is something that the apostle had to do a lot. Those would, those who would come behind him and say ugly things about him. Well, Paul only wants your money. Paul doesn't really care about you. He doesn't love you. He's only doing this for his own fame and glory. They're criticizing the way that he did ministry. So at the beginning of this chapter, he asks them a bunch of questions concerning his rights as an apostle. Okay, if all the other apostles are allowed to bring their wives with them, he even talks about Simon Peter bringing his wife along with him on missionary trips. If, if, his, if all these apostles are allowed to bring their wives and they're allowed to receive offerings from you guys and they're allowed to be supported by the churches then why should I not be as well and he says I didn't even ask y'all for anything and y'all are hating on me again he's, those are not his exact words but you can read uh, the beginning of chapter 9 to really understand the context of where he's coming from so he ends this particular section by speaking about his indebtedness to those to whom he ministers. We're starting verse 19. It says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So, he said, I have made myself... A servant unto all. This word here is a, a bond servant, a willing slave. I've made myself a servant to all people in order to win them to Christ. Now, 
we could stop right there and say, how willing am I to be a servant to all people? How, how well can I surrender myself, my own desires? How well do I have temperance in this area? <clears throat> Excuse me, golly, this pollen. How well do I have temperance in this area to be able to submit and reach all people? So he said, to the Jews, I use my Jewish background. You know, it, we've, we've heard about his pedigree. He was uh, of, the, of the house and lineage of, of Benjamin. He was you know, circumcised to the eighth day. He was a Pharisee as concerning the law, a Jew of Jews. He knew the law completely. He had, he had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the one of the leading rabbis of his day, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel and learned about the law and learned the interpretations that Gamaliel had of the law. So he said, I have all this Jewish knowledge. And to the Jews, I can use my Jewish knowledge to show them how the Old Testament is fulfilled by Christ. Then he said, to those who were without the law, those being Gentiles, those who had never been under the law of Moses, you know, as he, he puts in parentheses, not without law entirely, but to those who were Gentiles, not having the law of Moses, he could use his secular knowledge because he was from the, he was a Roman, so he was a Roman citizen. He had grown up under that Roman citizenship. He was from a place called Tarsus. So he was, um, that was kind of a, a, a trade city that was between the Middle East and Asia Minor. So he was seeing all kinds of people all the time. He'd grown up in this kind of secular environment. So he was able to speak to them. He knew about the Hellenistic religion. He knew about these kinds of things to say to them. And we see through his words in Acts that he, would, he knew a lot of uh, philosophers. And he was able to talk to those who had never heard about the law of Moses. He was able to use their philosophy to explain to them, this unknown God that you're serving, that's, that's actually Yahweh. So he said to those who were weak, to those who were either weak in body or in spirit, he was able to identify with, with them. Later on in Second uh, Corinthians, he says that, that he had asked the Lord to remove an issue from him. He'd asked three times. And he said, and the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he knew weakness within his body, within his spirit. So he was able to speak to all those needs. Understand that he was not being hypocritical or false in any way. That's not what he's trying to encourage us to do. He's just using all these aspects of his experience God had allowed him to have in order to minister to numerous groups of people. That's the thing. That's why the body of Christ is so important. Okay, I have no knowledge of certain aspects of life. Okay, I, I didn't grow up one certain way that I would know about this kind of stuff. But there are some of you who do, who grew up differently than I did and you know stuff that I don't know so I can't go into some places and be like hey y'all Jesus loves you and they receive it from me because 
Who are you and what are you doing here? But that's why God made all of us different, have different experiences, allow us to communicate in different ways because we can reach people. And that's what Paul is trying to express here. Notice that his goal each and every time was to be able to gain for Christ. This word gain means to acquire or win. It is used five times. This is the gain. The gain is to win people for Christ. For the sake of the gospel. So, how does this have to do with <laughs> with being physical? Well, let's think about this for a second. Corinth was one of the Greek cities in which the Olympic-style games were held. They were held every two years in Corinth. It was one of four national festivals. It was called the Ithmian Ith- Games. I didn't write down how to spell it, so I didn't may not be saying it exactly right. If Ithmian. I T H S M I A N, I believe Ithmian. But in these games, there would have been races of all sorts. There were horse races. There were foot races. There were chariot races. There was wrestling and boxing matches. They had artistic competitions. And the winner of each of these contests would have received a garland of different kinds of leaves and branches. That was the prize. Now, today, in our Olympic Games, they win gold, uh, silver, or a bronze medal. But back then, it was a garland, a crown. So we see in verses 24 through 27, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. But one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So the recipients of this letter would have certainly had firsthand knowledge of the athletes and games and the prizes because they lived in the city where these things took place regularly. So here Paul uses a sports analogy. And sometimes we do that. We relate to to life. We say, you know, the, the strength that it takes to be an athlete. So here he talks about the fact that all the athletes compete in the race, but only one can receive the prize. So he says, therefore, because of that, run in a way that will help you obtain the prize. Every racer who strives for mastery, this word mastery means struggle, compete, contend. The word in Greek is agonizomai, which is the word from which we get agony. So they put themselves in agony in order to be able to run this race. But they all have one thing in common. They are temperate in all things. 
temperate here means to exercise self-restraint in diet and chastity. Whew. Temperate in all things. Athletes in this setting would have gone through 10 months. Each of them was required to train for at least 10 months. They would have gone through this rigorous training with a, a coach of some sort. They had to have a rigid diet, so a lot of things were cut out of their diet in order to prepare them for their race. And they had to develop different habits, whether it was getting up early, oh, in order to go out and day by day to, to exercise. So they were called upon to do these things. Receiving a crown was one of the greatest honors in the ancient and even in the modern world we see. That's, that's one of the greatest honors to, to have that gold medal put around your neck. Stand up on the, on the podium and have your nation's flag lowered down and to have your national anthem played. And it's just, you, you see them on TV. I, Shannon and I watch the Olympics a lot when, when they're on and... Um, the summer and the winter Olympics. And it's just so powerful to see how they react. And they're just, some of them just stand there and cry because it's such a powerful moment. And they have sacrificed so much to get to that point. They, being the athletes, struggle in order to obtain a perishable crown. The crowns that they received were just just leaves, twigs. Just vines, branches that were put together. Now, perhaps they could have saved them. <laughs> if you ever, you've done better, but if you ever go over to mom's house and you see her her um, dead garden <laughs> inside the house. So, Anytime that my see, yeah, you know, uh, anytime that she's ever received flowers, um, roses or, or any flower that will dry pretty, she hangs them upside down and lets them dry, and she keeps them for all posterity, and I feel like that's the reason that Shane doesn't buy me flowers, is because he's afraid, I'm so much like my mom, that I'm going to start doing that as well. Um, I just, you know... <laughs> Yeah, not not happening because he's worried. Uh, but but that you know that that's the only way that they would have been salvageable is to let them dry. But even like that, to to dry out and to hang on the wall, it, it would have been a, a crumbling, perishable crown. You could never receive that that excitement again, putting that back on your head in this this crumbled up, dry crown. So what Paul is telling them is there are these athletes that beat their bodies to the point of not being able to eat what they want, not being able to drink what they want, not being able to go the places that they want to, not being able to sleep in to the level that they want to in order to attempt to win, in order to run this race and fingers crossed, maybe, just maybe, they can win. But we are receiving something. We are receiving something so much 
better. So much greater. Imperishable. So those who belong to Christ struggle in order to obtain an immortal, undecaying crown in order to win people for Christ. Paul speaks of his own training with another sports metaphor. We, this is great. We have two sports metaphors right here in 1 Corinthians. First is about racers, and, and the second one is about boxing. Now, I, we just watched Creed 3. We, I've seen all the Rocky movies and all the Creed movies, and if you watch the training, it's, it's, really, it's really cool. He said that he runs with his eye on a clear prize, not uncertainly as one who keeps getting distracted. He said that his eyes are fixed, pressing on toward the mark. And that he fights. This word here means to contend like a boxer. This word is only used one time. He fights, not as one beating the air. Now, this is a, is a shadow boxer. Now, I don't know a whole lot about boxing, but you see, you know, they, they just... They pretend that they're hitting something, but they're not really. He's, you know, my, my stance and my form is not excellent. But, you know, just beating something as though, as though something's there, but it's not. He says, don't be like that. That's not the way that I am because I know that I'm not struggling against the air. I know that I'm struggling against things that are unseen. So I'm going to keep under my body. This is an interesting phrase that's used only one other time. And that is in, you don't have to turn there, but it's in Luke chapter 18, the parable of the woman and the godless ruler. And it says that she kept bothering him. That she wanted something. She was asking for her land to be avenged. She was asking for her honor back. And she kept on bothering him to the point that he said, I've got to do something because she keeps beating me up. I have to answer her request because she keeps beating me. So here, it means to beat black and blue. To smite so as to cause bruises. Like a boxer who buffets his body. To handle it roughly or to discipline it by hardships. So what Paul is saying, he becomes as a slave driver, lest somehow after he has preached the gospel to others, he becomes disqualified. He doesn't stand the test or he's rejected for a prize. Here's the thing, y'all. We can speak it all day long. We know what the Bible says. We understand what sin is. We understand how to live right and we can preach it all day long and we can speak it all day long and we can tell other people all day long how to live right but if we're not living right if we're not living right then we are as a castaway that if I'm not doing what the Bible is telling me to do then I can talk about it all day and I can look alright but I myself become a castaway. So as soon as we hear self-control, we begin to get into justification mode. Okay, I, I understand that. 
out of all the fruit of the spirit self-control is is not one of my favorites love that's a good one joy yes peace yes lord those first few are great then you get into the long suffering no thank you gentleness well (laughs) y'all know me goodness faith faith is good meekness but then temperance he put it at the end maybe it was his least favorite too i don't know or maybe he saved the best to last i'm not sure because oftentimes we'll we'll begin to justify and we'll say this isn't so bad this is not so bad (laughs) this isn't a real problem The Bible doesn't exactly say not to do this. And immediately some people had things popping into their minds. Immediately. But I'm not naming anything. Because sometimes the things that we shine a light on matter a whole lot less than the stuff that we're trying to justify in ourselves. Oh my. Y'all, y'all. Please love me later. One of the signs of Holy Spirit maturity is self-control. The Holy Spirit enables us to not be bound by anything. No food, no drink, no substance. The Holy Spirit enables us to live free. But as we are enabled by the Spirit, our obedience is a personal choice. Yeah, the Spirit gives me the chance to... There will not come a temptation on me that I'm not able to bear. But I have to say, okay, no thank you. (laughs) I'm going to get myself out of this situation. Okay, there. God enables me, the Holy Spirit enables me, but then I have a choice. There are three aspects of bringing self under subjection that are important. Number one, the training. These athletes in ancient games, again, they trained for months and months at a time. They, they let those, those good, delicious, those things that they wanted to eat, <laughs> walk by the, and smell the bread, bacon, or whatever it may have been. You know, they, they just couldn't, okay? They just couldn't. Because their eyes were on a different type of prize, now, please understand, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go after anything specific. But I am saying that you know, you know, and the Lord knows what's going to be a hindrance to you. And the thing is, we have that choice to walk by and say, no, I have my eyes on a different type of prize. Or to say, oh, I can just indulge just a little bit. And whatever it may be. The mental and physical training that it takes to become an Olympic athlete is beyond our comprehension. I have no idea what it takes to be an elite athlete. Now, there are some of us who may exercise for fun or weight loss or recreation. I know that the garrisons go um, at least every Friday. I don't know how often y'all go. Every day that you're going to the to the rec center, walking, getting fit, staying fit. Now, 
you know, when we're able, and bless her heart with uh, with her problem right this second, but Ryan and I try to go a couple times a week, and we play pickleball, that's fun, and we walk, it's not too hot. <laughs> yeah, okay, so exactly, that's the thing. Elite athletes, those who have their eyes on a prize, it doesn't matter to them that it's hot. It doesn't matter to them that it's raining outside. It doesn't matter to them that it's cold. And we have to develop that attitude about winning the prize. Winning souls for Christ. Getting to heaven. We have to adopt that idea. Because sometimes, I don't want to because of this. I'm just going to do this instead. Our minds have to get right. The athletes who sacrifice in every part of their life in order to even be allowed to compete. They're tested. They're blood tested to make sure that they don't have extra stuff boosting their and helping them in some way. They have to try out at the World Games in order to be able to be eligible for the Olympic Games. There's this whole process, and they can't slip. It's their choice because they have a prize in mind. So why are they willing to do all that? For some of them, it's the fame and the glory of being an elite athlete. For others, it's because they want to make their country proud. So why do we sacrifice? Why do we lay aside habits and hindrances? Why do we exercise self-control? Sometimes we don't because we're selfish. Oh my, I'm sorry. No, I'm not, but sometimes we're selfish. Sometimes I'm selfish because I don't understand that I don't belong to myself. I was bought with a price to be used for the glory of God. We belong to God. He's given us to each other. The second thing we have to see is the competition. We are not in competition with each other. We are not in competition with the church down the street. That's not our competition. So if we think that, then we need to get our minds right. Something needs to be said about self-control in this area. Because sometimes I let my mind wander. Oh, well, look at all they're doing and look at the results they're getting. But I have to control myself. Because that comparison, that's going to ruin my chances of competing, my eyes are going to be on that other person running instead of on the race ahead of me. If my eyes are on another runner, my goals, my eyes are not on the goal. So who or what is the competition? Self-indulgence is the kind of competition. Myself wants to indulge <laughs> in something that can slow me down. So those runners, they may be like me and they really enjoy sugar. <clears throat> But the thing is, those delicious, oh, so delicious, cookies, cake, that slows you down. Those are the kind of things that weigh you down. And you look at them and you go, oh, golly, I'd love to have some of that. But if I'm an elite runner, I I can't have that. I sacrifice. So... 
the thing that self-indulgence could could slow me down and and again before we start mentally condemning those who indulge in things that we don't brother mike and i talked about this a few weeks ago <laughs> talking about different things and you know some people say this is fine some people say this is fine and i said i, I hear you and we one of the things that we don't talk about is gluttony <laughs> and he said he said well he mentioned somebody and i i won't say but um he said yeah that that person ended up being like 350 pounds or something. <laughs> that was between me and brother mike Hey, whatever you say in my office is is off limits. So it's that's between me and you who you said. But um, <laughs> so you know, we we think about these. Oh, that's this is terrible and shame on you, shame on you. But but think for a second. How hateful are you without your coffee? I'm not gonna look at anybody. I'm not gonna look at anybody. How hateful are you without coffee? And we don't think about that as as something that can addict us, but that it can, it can have control over us. Because if, if I get up in the morning and I am mean to the people that I love before I have coffee, then I'm not controlling myself. I don't have self-control because... That coffee, that caffeine, that addiction has control of me if it makes me be mean to people before I, before I have any of it. That's what addictions do. I will tell you that a few years ago, and I can use myself as an example, that when I uh, began our, our 21 days of fasting, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off sugar. And Shane still doesn't believe that this is the case, but, but he should. It's, he, he lived through it bless his heart but I I said I'm gonna go off sugar and I I did I was from January 1 three weeks without sugar and I mean that was all you know no kinds of sugar whatsoever not just sweets but no kinds of sugar at all and I was mean oh I was so grumpy and I had a bad headache and I felt yucky and if that can control my body to the point that I'm mean and snappy and hateful to the people that I love, then that is an addiction that I need to gain control over. We point to other things and we say, oh, that's bad and shame on them. And that, they shouldn't be doing this and they shouldn't partake in such and such a thing. But we need to examine our own hearts to see what is in control of us besides the Holy Spirit. How much money do you waste? Oh, I'm not going to look at anybody. How much money do you waste on stupid stuff? Because if that's controlling you, you need self-control. How much time do you spend in front of a screen outside of work now some people have to work and that's you know that they have to do that for work but i'm not looking at anybody <laughs> how much time do you spend in front of a screen filling your mind with things that do not matter that i could be spending that time in prayer or some of that time i'm not saying that you have to completely turn the tv off or turn the ipad off or turn your phone off and, and you can't ever participate in that but i'm saying self-control in these areas if this 
if it has to be something that feeds you, then we're not being fed by the right things. And just, just as a, here we go. And for those who say, oh no, such and such doesn't control me. Such and such doesn't have a hold on me. Stop doing it for a few days. I, I challenge you. Stop doing it for a few days and see how you feel. See if there's a, an inkling for that. See if there's a craving for that. Whatever it may be. There were some who fasted uh, getting on Amazon. Spending money on Amazon. It became an addiction to them. We have to have self-control. Because if other things are controlling us, the Holy Spirit is not. There are unseen factors. Unseen factors that are part of the competition. Wind, rain, heat. Those things can affect and defeat a runner. Also in the spiritual sense, we are wrestling with the enemy that we cannot see. There are things in the spiritual that we can't see. But if we are not willing to lay aside small things, then we're not going to be willing to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets us. And we're not going to be strong enough to fight against those things that we can't see coming. We have to develop stamina through training. Otherwise, we'll be easily tripped up. The third thing we have to think of is the prize. So what did Paul keep saying that he wanted to win? Souls for Christ. That's the prize. Yes, of course, our ultimate prize is heaven. But oftentimes, that's we, we're so heavenly minded. If I can just make it. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way too. Lord, please, just come on. <laughs> if I can just make it a couple more days, that'd be great. Because we're going to receive a crown of righteousness from God himself. But while we are here, the prize, the goal, the race is to gain some for Christ. And if we are getting so tripped up by these small things, if the enemy can have us waste our time and our energy and our money on things that don't matter then it doesn't matter that we, whether we love God or not, if we're wasting our time and our energy and our money <laughs> on this stuff, then we'll ignore the people who are lost and dying. If he can get us to, to kind of, you know, mess up our reputation a little with these, these small things, just, oh, it's fine, and then everybody's questioning if he can get us to do that, then souls are lost that we could have won. Do not become limited in your thinking. If I can just survive a little longer, just hang on, just hang on, and then eventually I'll make it to heaven. Or if I can get in a prayer after I do this one little thing, I'll just do this. Jesus, please don't. I, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one who has ever prayed that way. Jesus, please don't come back before I do this one bad thing. And I have a chance to ask forgiveness. That is no way to live. Be temperate in all things. It's 
good for your body and your spirit. Temperate in all things. Do not become a castaway. Do not become disqualified. Stay diligent in this life. So self-control is enabled by the Holy Spirit and enacted by us. In order to run this race, you must keep in mind the training, the competition, and the prize. As the music plays, and, and without any condemnation, because I have, I have you know, talked about things that are issues for me. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that eating sweets is a sin. Understand that. But I'm saying that for me, I have to be self-controlled in that area because otherwise it'll control me. So today, ask the Lord to examine your heart and reveal to you places that you need self-control. Heavenly Father, we come to you giving you thanks. Giving you thanks because in Christ there is no condemnation. But there is a call. There is a call for us to come closer to you. There is a call for us to surrender those things that would hinder us. God, I understand that you are calling us to a higher place. Father, that just like an elite athlete, we can make that choice to stay like we are or to keep following hard after you. God, I pray that you would begin even today to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that you would speak into us. That you would shine the searchlight of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Lord, if there are things in us that are controlling us if there's anything besides your holy spirit that has control over us whatever it may be whatever it may be i pray that you would remove it from us father that you would place conviction upon our hearts god show us those things those places that we need to surrender those places that are not like you father those places that could cause us to become a castaway Lord, we may know all the right words. We may know exactly what to say to speak to somebody else. But God, we don't want to lose. God, we don't want to come up short in this race. Father, I ask that you would give strength and encouragement to each and every person who is running this race, who feels weary, who feels tired, who feels like giving up. But God, we understand that you come alongside us and that you run with us. God, that you are the prize. That one day we're going to look into your face and hear you say, well done. God, that's our goal. That's our desire. And God, while we're here on this earth, we want to win souls for you. We want people to come in behind us, beside us, in front of us, and hear you say, well done as well. Father God, I pray that you would transform our hearts, transform our desires. Lord, from those selfish desires of saying, well, this is okay. I'll just do this and no one will ever know, but but it could hinder us. God, I pray that you would that you would draw us closer to you. Make us hate those things that you hate. Make us hate those things that could keep us from you, Father. God, we just we thank you for the opportunity to run this race for you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to belong to you. God, we thank you. We praise you. Have your will and your way in each and every person. God, I just ask that you would plant this seed within our hearts, the seed of your word. God, I pray that it would grow in good soil, that it would be watered day by day. Lord, that 
that as this week goes through, that that something from your word would just bring about a remembrance, that, that you would just remind us if we're in the middle of a situation, oh, maybe lay this aside. Lord, that you would convict our hearts even throughout this week. Oh, just lay this aside for the glory and the purpose of God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We trust you. We thank you in advance for what you are going to do. Father, we thank you. And Father, we speak over your people today. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh shine his face upon you. May Yahweh be gracious unto you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Trading punches with the heart of darkness, going to blows with your fear and calling.